Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Allianz Supporting all 32 counties Through the Allianz Leagues Hello there and welcome to the Irish Examiner's Allianz League Review Brought to you by Allianz Sponsors of the GA and Allianz Leagues For 27 years Well, there's no lack of talking points on today's show after another action-packed double weekend of Allianz football and hurling league action. Over the course of today's show, we discuss the state of Cork football, learn about the second coming of Kerry's Tommy Walsh, hear the thoughts of Anthony Daly and review the big talking points from the weekend's GAA Congress. Our starting point is Porky Wren, where Cork lost to me in Division 2 of the Allianz Football League on Saturday night a result which leaves them facing the threat of relegation to Division 3. After the game, Irish Examiner Sports Editor Tony Lean spoke with Cork manager Rona McCarthy, who had some strong words to say in response to criticism levelled at his squad by Larry Tompkins last week. Look, I, I'd be very disappointed, to be honest with you, with um, with those comments. And, uh, you know, I suppose, look, it's his, it's his second... I suppose pop at the team um, in the last week, and you know, look, uh, you know, I'll I'll take criticism and I'll take it personally, but I won't have people question the heart of the team. And mm. you know, there's a bit of selective amnesia there for some people in relation to um, teams that they've been involved with um, themselves. And um, if it was as simple as that, um, you know, um, we'd all be able to solve it. So I look, I was disappointed. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to pretend otherwise. And um, you know, to what most disappointed your own. Well, the, the notion that they, that they have no heart and they don't want to play for Cork. I mean, these fellas are, are working morning and night to, to play for Cork. And you know, look, I played with Larry, you know, under Larry, and um, and look, we had bad defeats ourselves, and you know, in 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 2002 and 97 and 2003, and um, heart was never heart was never the issue, you know. So mm. um, look, it's disappointing, but look, it's look, it's part of it, and um, we have to accept it and move on, you know. But I think, are you are you personally insulted? Are you insulted for the players in that situation? Well, I think look, anybody who who knows this group, you know, they are, um, you know, they're an extremely honest group, extremely committed. They're in a very bad place, and you know, putting the boot in, um, you know, isn't really going to help them, and uh, isn't going to solve any problems, and. Um, you know, and we'll be back in working on Monday and working hard, and they will too, and they'll face up to it. And that was uh, Cork manager Ronan McCarthy speaking to Tony Lean after Saturday night's defeat to me. Tony, uh, great quotes there from Ronan. Were you surprised that he was so forthright in his opinions? No, n- not if you know Ronan McCarthy. Uh, you know, he's a very black and white individual. If he has something to say, he'll say it. If something is annoying him, he'll say it. Some things you might think would trouble him, and he's able to shrug them off. 
I think what he's doing there is he's protecting the dressing room. He's protecting the players in the dressing room. Um, he uses the word selective amnesia. I think he's basically saying this isn't the first time that Cork football has struggled. It's in a bad place. And the last thing we need is people within the county, special, especially people of the status of Larry Tompkins, as he says, putting the boot in. So he's going to say that. I think the fact that he is a very a very um, stoic personality will probably help him at the moment because there are other managers um, would just be feeling the walls closing in around them at the moment. I mean, Cork have one point out of eight. Uh, things are at a low. It looks like they're heading for Division 3. And I think Ronan McCarthy is the type of person he's able to actually deal with that He's able to keep the blinkers on and he's able to stay within the group and say, we're going to work away. This is what we have to do. Anything that goes on outside is noise. But do you think that the point that Larry Tompkins was making in terms of heart and commitment is an attitude shared by the majority of the Cork GA public? Well, I think what you're getting at the moment from the Cork footballers are inhibited performances that perhaps look like they're not showing heart. I must admit, I find that's probably more that their self-belief and their confidence is so low at the moment that they're just afraid to try things. We know that. You, you know, mm-hmm. Colin, everyone, we've all played and we've all been in that position or in that situation where you're looking for the next guy to bail you out. And I think, that is the entire kernel of this argument. And maybe that's what the point maybe that Larry Tompkins was trying to get across. It's up now for the leaders that are already there to step up. I'm talking about everybody from a Paul Kerrigan to a Rory Dean to an Ian Maguire, you know, to these lads. Even young Kevin Flahov now has, has developed really strongly. His clubmate, Shawnee Poser, they're both actually only about 22 or 3 years of age, but they're leaders. I think the ones that are there already need to step up and now would be a very timely moment for new leaders to show that they have that quality. When you're in a hole, you know, the basically what you've, you know, whatever the sport column it is, what you really need to do is you need to scrap and scrap and scrap. And sometimes it's not going to look pretty. And I really think that Ronan McCarthy and the Cork team wouldn't be too bothered. In fact, they wouldn't be bothered at all if they were to win in Tipperary next Saturday night by four points to three. It's just basically giving them some bit of forward momentum that they just seem singularly incapable of achieving at this moment in time. Okay, you mentioned Paul Kerrigan there. Deployed as a sweeper on Saturday night? I wouldn't say a sweeper because, I mean, obviously that would, you know, conjure up the notion that he was protecting his defenders and such. I think Paul was there almost as an outlet, almost as, you know, the first receiver in terms of actually taking the ball and starting an attack again. Paul has been out um, of that Cork setup for a bit now so obviously probably he's not up to full fitness but what he always has been is he's been very good on the ball and he's been very intelligent in his use of it and I suspect what Ronan and the management team were looking to do was obviously for those around him to be to do the defending and for him to be the one who was actually carrying the ball up through midfield but and did it work? No well it didn't work because he got in very little ball and all these things 
you know, and that's just the way, I mean, I was talking to Andy McEntee, the mead manager after the game, and even when the recorder was off and he was saying, you know, when things are going against you, you try things and they don't work. When those things are going with you, you know, everything works. Mm. I mean, you look at Kerry at the moment, you know, Peter Keane seems to have a Midas touch at the moment. You know, he throws young Tomas O'Shea into the game yesterday against Galway with a couple of minutes to go. He kicks a point almost with his first kick. You know, when things are going like that, but Ronan McCarthy, unfortunately, has the reverse Midas touch uh, at the uh, moment. And do you think, mention of Kerry there, do you think that the Munster final, the scars that that game left are a huge part of where Cork football is at the moment? Well, uh, there was a stat which uh, was presented to me um, over the weekend that since 2018, I think Cork have played 18 league and championship games and they've won four. They haven't won a competitive game since the victory over Tipperary and Thurlis in May 2018. So you're getting on there, Column, for like nine months. Now, I'm leaving aside the McGrath Cup, mm. obviously. You're getting aside up for nine months without a win. And so... The ball fact is Cork footballers have forgotten how to win and the the, Cork, the Kerry defeat was pummeling. I think psychologically, by the way, the Tyrone defeat was actually even worse after it. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't play very badly against Fermanagh or against Kildare this year, but they only took one point. They were poor in Ennis and they just looked like a side completely bereft of confidence on Saturday night and you feel for them I mean I was around the dressing room area afterwards and you know you're meeting people and they're almost avoiding eye contact now I have to say obviously you know you heard from the audio there Ronan McCarthy wasn't one of those but you know at the moment there's almost a sense of embarrassment and frustration amongst the group themselves because they know they're better than this I know they're better than this. Better, more, you know, learned observers than me know they're better than this. But they just can't seem to put a cohesive performance. They can't seem to get 10 or 11 guys who will deliver a 7 or 8 out of 10 for you to actually drag them to a position where they can get a win. Some positives, I suppose, that you can take the fact that the UCC contingent will be back from their Sigerson Cup victory. Uh, Shawnee Potter's return as well? Yeah, well, again... I suppose it's a reflection both net positive and negative that Sean Potter is back after 12 months out and the minute he came on the field you could see he made a difference. That obviously reflects very favourably on the player himself. I'm not sure it reflects very favourably on what's going on around him. You shouldn't be expecting someone even as talented as a young player of the year candidate in 2017 to be coming on and making a difference. But yes, he did make a difference. I wouldn't think that... He's ready for a start in Tipperary next Saturday night. But hopefully Ronan McCarthy will be looking to get a little little bit more out of him. Obviously with the Sigerson Cup now out of the way, you'd be hoping that whatever resources you know he needs, he actually has them at his disposal. And as he said, they work away this week and they try to put something together against Tipperary, which won't be easy. I know Tipperary took a small bit of a trimming, but it was with 14 men the weekend. So it's a big game. Yeah, ha- and have a lot of injury worries as well too. I heard uh, Liam Kearns bemoaning after the Armagh game that they nearly have a full team now injured. So, you know, is it, is it a foregone conclusion that Cork will be relegated? Um, if they don't win next Saturday against Tipperary, I think they're gone. I think they're... 
last home game is against Donegal and even their final game, their seventh game, is up in the athletic grounds in Armagh. Certainly on present form, you couldn't see them taking anything from that game. So the best you're looking for is for them to beat Tipperary and somehow get a win against Donegal, get to five points. But realistically, is five points even going to be enough? You know, I mean, you had Fermanagh going up to Donegal yesterday and beating Donegal. Mm. That was a huge result for Fermanagh in terms of staying uh, in Division 2 and and looking upwards now. So uh, I wouldn't say it's a foregone conclusion, but I know from talking to people they feel that last Saturday night's loss to Meath all but resigned them to, to relegation, yes. If it is a case that Cork find themselves in Division 3, does the executive of the Cork County Board come under pressure to to look at the managerial situation? Well, I think they're already, I think they're already in that place. I think there's already calls being made, um, people wondering, you know, is it time... Should should they be looking at whether Rona McCarthy stays or goes? I think, I think looking back now, and it was something that Eamon Fitzmaurice alluded to. I think there is a view and an acceptance in Cork at executive level now that they probably let Brian Cuthbert go too early in after in in twenty fifteen at a point when Cork football remember had played in the league final that year should have beaten Kerry in a Munster final. And when you look, wouldn't Cork sign on very quickly, Cork football sign on very quickly for the position they were in then? You know, I mean, Ronan McCarthy, I believe, will probably get the 2019 season to turn this around and, you know, get the ship sailing in some bit of a positive direction because, you know, it just can't continue as it is realistically for a county like Cork. It's unsustainable as it is. Finally, in your quotes piece in today's Irish Examiner, there's a, a quote from Ronan. You identify the issues and you address them. If you were to give the one, two, three of the issues facing Ronan McCarthy and Cork football, what would they be? Well, I still believe that on paper, you look at the team here and I'm looking at the match programme from the weekend and the subs, the likes of Mark Collins and Poser and Stephen Cronin who didn't come on. I still believe that that is a group who sh- who are good enough um, to stay in Division 2. The trouble we all know is, unfortunately, you don't win games on the pages of match programmes. You know, th- they are in a hole. They are in a huge hole now. Everybody is in a hole. Obviously, I don't know, Cullum, the chemistry or the dynamic in that dressing room. You know, whether Ronan McCarthy, you know, is still has that capability, I suppose, to bring the best out of them. You know, that question has to be there. He says that they're working very hard. I believe him. He's a really, you know, honest, straight shooter kind of guy. Um, But, like, there are so many issues there. You ask me what are the issues I'm presuming you're actually talking. Almost tactical. I actually think psychological (laughs) is actually the first issue. They really need to dig deep and to basically you know like I'll I'll just finish with one thing I I looked at one stage when Cork had the ball on Saturday night the way Meath defended you know in terms of defending as a unit pushing up on the player pressing the player getting two and three players and dispossessing unfortunately when the ball was going the other direction Meath players were able to get their heads up they were running off shoulders they weren't being tracked 
you know, I mean, the very, very minimum you have to do as a player is keep your opponent honest. Keep the opposition honest. If they're going to make a run, then you go with them every step of the way. You try to discourage them. Those small elements would be a start. If Cork are doing all the small bits at 100%, then the rest of it then will actually start to move positively in uh, for them. And finally, in terms of this, the, the blueprint for Cork football, which was published a few months ago, obviously the urgency for that now has just increased a hundredfold. It does, but they're unrelated, Cullum. They're completely unrelated issues. I know people are trying to pair them off and they're making smart-ass comments about them, you know, and uh, and I actually think Larry was, was, was wrong. I think Larry was making some comments about, you know, derisory comments about the report. You can't link the two of them at the moment. The, the Cork County Board are pla- are... are have devised a long-term strategy for football in the county that starts at primary school. We are talking at this very moment I, I, in time. I, 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 okay, I, I suppose we should, we need to separate it between this Cork football team and the Cork football brand. The Cork football brand is not in a good place and the current situation is not helping that. That is accepted. But the the present situation with the Cork footballers in Division 2 of the Allianz League, with one point and a manager, Ronan McCarthy, under pressure, is not going to be helped or hindered by a five-year strategy for football. At this moment, there's nothing in that document is going to help the Cork footballers next Saturday night in Semple Stadium. Unfortunately, the resolution to next Saturday night stops and starts with the team bus and those personnel who will be on it. Now, staying with football, and Shum is our next destination where new Kerry manager Peter Keane maintained his incredible winning sequence in 2019. Brendan O'Brien was there for the Irish Examiner. And Brendan, uh, Peter Keane afterwards was playing the result down, but how good a winner otherwise was this for the Kingdom? Um, Well, it's still a game between two weakened teams on a heavy pitch in mid-February, so all that does have to be taken into account. But having said that, it's a fourth win in the trough for Kerry under a new management. Um, and they plenty to be happy about, even besides the two points and um, their place in the league table. They showed a lot of character um, towards the end of the game, having led since the end of the first half all the way through to the 65th minute when they conceded a, a very scrappy late goal in front of like 7,000 people. It could have gone very wrong for them. Um, but instead, they responded with, the next three points to, to close out the game um, and when you consider the amount of faces they're missing the amount of youngsters in the in the squad right now that's that's a real plus and there was some really good individual performances as well um, Stephen O'Brien up front had a lot of Kerry folk raving about his performance um, Mark Griffin maybe playing in an unfamiliar role got through a ton of work in and around the middle third uh, Darren Moynihan did himself no harm and then you had Tomas O'Shea uh, great name of course um, coming off the bench to make his debut, I think it was might have been injury time when he came on. Uh, his first act was to score a crucial point. His second one was to set up another one. Um, so on top of all that, then you had a great performance by Tommy Walsh. So a good day for Kerry. No, uh, big question for a lot of Kerry fans: Is this finally the long-awaited triumphant second return from Tommy Walsh in a Kerry jersey? Um, well, the lads on Radio Kerry were saying this his display against Galway was as good as anything he did back at the height of his career in, in um, 2009 when he was uh, one half of the, the fabled Twin Towers set up that they had it, um, back then. 
Um, Walsh was named at 14. It was obviously his first start for Kerry in three years since being brought back in um, under Peter Keane. But he kind of roved about everywhere in the opposition half, um, from midfield to the half-forward line. He was up at the edge of the square sometimes. Um, and I suppose one of the concerns about Walsh, even aside from coming back into inter-county football after a break, after his AFL break, um, was his mobility. You know, how would he suit the modern game? How would he suit Kerry? And that won't really be answered definitively until he hits Croke Park and the wide open spaces. But he was very, very good. He was all over the place yesterday in a good way. Um, he showed for high ball. He showed for low ball. He had great hands, which is something Peter Keane even remarked on. Um, he linked play really, really well with overlapping runners in the first half as well, with his back to goal. Um, and he caught some absolutely ridiculous balls in midfield, especially in the second half when, when Kerry were really under the caution. They needed a big guy to stand up for them, which he did. So not bad for a man making a, making a first start in three years. Any major concerns for the kingdom? Um, <clears throat> not, nothing major, I would say. They, they pushed up very tight in the Galway kickouts in the first half with the wind at their backs, and they did that very well. And, and they were good defensively for long stretches as well. But they did look vulnerable in very close to goal now and again when the two Galway full forwards were isolated on their men. Um, they probably should have conceded their first goal um, just at the start of the second quarter when, when Sean Kelly got in behind them kind of unseen and he just blazed wide when it would have been really easier to, to hit the net. Um, but, you know, maybe it's no surprise that there are a few teething problems at the back. You know, they have a lot of change in personnel. They're operating under new management. And when you look at their league so far, it's not like the defence stands out and screams as, as a problem child. They've only conceded one thirty in the three games against Cavan, Tyrone and Galway, which is pretty damn good. And Dublin really with two fourteen are the only team that kind of did them serious damage in that respect. So yeah, it's a work on, but it's nothing to be, you know, really, really concerned about at the moment, I would say. And what about Galway? Where do they stand now? Um I suppose the thing about Galway was um, they were missing a ton of players uh, against Kerry due to injury, club commitments, college commitments. Um, and Kevin Walsh said afterwards that there's no real sign of many of those boys coming back soon, so they have to make do with what they've got. And this is back on, on the back of a week as well, where it was confirmed that Damien Comer had to undergo ankle surgery, so they won't be seeing him for a long time. Um, you know, the old question with Galway is, you know, are they too defensive? Are they good enough? Can they change? Can they evolve going forward? And they were very poor going forward in the first half. And what about um, Galway? Where do they stand now? Passing again. Um, you know, I think they scored three points in the first half. Really poor stuff. But they played a much more direct game with the wind at their backs uh, after the break. And they really, really took the game to carry. And they had uh, Barney McHugh was very good for them from open play and from freeze. And they just kept eating little chunks of that carry lead. Um, all the way through that second half. Um, they did miss a few chances. That'll happen on a windy day in February. Um, but it could very easily have been a different result and we could easily be talking about a, a brilliant comeback win for Galway. Um, they've won two and lost two now in the league, so it's not like they're, act, they're gasping for air at the moment. But they do have two local derbies coming up. They're in Castlebar against Mayo next week and they follow that up with um, a home game against Roscommon. And then they end the league away to Tyrone and Oma. So they're not out of the woods in terms of the relegation fight yet. And you, you kind of get the impression that we still haven't seen enough about Galway to let us know, have they evolved in their game and will they be a better prospect this year? 
Now, a quick mention of the sponsors of our podcast. Alliance Insurance support people and communities throughout Ireland and have sponsored the Alliance Leagues and Alliance Coming to Munskull for over 27 years. Go to alliance.ie today for a home, motor or pet quote. Alliance. Time for us to switch codes now and we're turning to the Alliance Hurling League action from the weekend. A little earlier today, our sports editor Tony Lean caught up with Anthony Daly who was at the clash of Limerick and Cork in the Gaelic grounds on Sunday afternoon. A game which Cork won, but Anthony doesn't believe that John Kiley will be losing too much sleep over this result. Now, Anthony, I mean, there's been actually some Limerick supporters who might have actually almost been looking for a loss. And you know the old, be careful what you wish for. What is John Kiley thinking? We'll talk about Cork in a second, but what is John Kiley thinking after his first loss since the All-Ireland? Yeah, I'd say he's waking up this morning, Tony, and he's okay with the world, I'd say. Um, I'd say still yesterday, going down at half-time, they had the look of two very frustrated guys, himself and Paul Kinnerk, uh, just watching the body language, you know, kind of sitting behind him. There's no doubt that they were frustrated with what was going on in front of them. They were just very flat for some reason, but I suppose a week after going down to Kilkenny and dishing out a bit of a hiding to Kilkenny in Nolan Park, the whole hurling narrative all the week was Limerick are gone to a new level a la Galway of last year a la tip of the year before uh, and that can be a little bit dangerous because as I said uh, to Brian Carty yesterday doing a bit of commentary I said off the air I said Brian Limerick ain't Kilkenny <laughs> do you know they're Limerick the way, same way as I'm clear and we anytime we get carried away you know we get taken back so I, I think this morning John won't be too upset uh, pulling he, the reins in a bit I think it? and look at on the second half evidence Tony they did all the hurling in the second half really and when they drew level you thought they'd only be one result to be honest with you but I suppose they, they, they did so much hurling to get back to level that that eventually caught up with them. Them and Cork had a spurt and actually Cork missed a few easier chances that might, maybe they would have won by four or five. But uh, did Cork's second goal really killed Limerick because they came out after halftime, hit four in a row, looked like, you know, ages to go, this is only going one way and then a chronic mistake, a mix-up between Tom Condon and Sean Finn on a sharp puck out and Lee Han. To me, in fairness to Lehan, mm. was at his kind of razor sharp best again, and yeah. it obviously takes Connor a bit of time to get going. And uh, you, but I know every chance he got yesterday, he he punished. I don't know whether you'd call it Corkness. I was in Park Urine on Saturday night, and I met a hurling man coming out the door, and he said to me, "I, I must admit, I fancied Limerick strong yesterday for obvious reasons." But he said to me, "No, no, team, we've picked." we're going to win, I give us a big chance there. So, I mean, you know, how much of a surprise was it to you that Cork delivered to the extent they did? Uh, it was a surprise. I think if Limerick hurled, uh, that the way they hurled against Kilkenny, per se, or against Tip, um, they'd, won- they'd have won the game. But having said that, it was the best I've seen from Cork, even though they beat Clare the previous week. I think they were very fortunate to beat Clare, like on Clare madness, really, with the, with the foul and all that. Um, but that was the best from Cork this year, which... We'll have Myler fairly happy uh, today as well, you know, from people saying they're in trouble to now being on four points in eight days. It's amazing, like, you know, and facing into a kind of a derby game with Tip. Mm-hmm. Lovely game to be facing into in the last game and, you know, nice position out of 2-1. They have the UCC boys coming back. Obviously, three major hitters there, you know, and obviously huge year for UCC. So I'd say like, he's, in, he's in a good place. But I wouldn't have seen them beating Limerick 
you know, they're the two new new debutants, young Downey and young Dooley. Like, mm-hmm. you know, so I, they were unknowns to me, really. Yeah. Um, because a I, lot of people. Yeah. Well, I would have known a lot of the, you know, the, the Busangs and the Turnbulls and all these guys mm-hmm. from, from the underage setups. But the two boys kind of slipped me. Maybe young Downey, all right, from the Glen, mm-hmm. I would have heard of. But, you know, to be thrown in there half-back, I did a good job now. Mm-hmm. Eventually, Garrod Hegarty probably got a bit of space, didn't punish enough. But he did a fair job for the first half. As a manager, and you've been there, what a lovely part of your arsenal, Patrick Horgan, must be to have. Just watching him again last night, the goal, how he finished it, his consistency. Is he at his peak, do you think, no, Anthony? I'd say, yeah, well, he was, he was brilliant the last couple of years as well, Tony, and I think, you know, it could be a massive year on all signs. He looks really fit and sharp. Um, it, you know, he'll go down as one of the greatest travesties in hurling if Hoggy finishes up without an All-Ireland medal, like, because... What a forward, like, you know, I mean, like the, the comfort of having Hoggy on your team must be incredible, like, for Myler, like, now he missed two frees near the end, but you know that's not the normal form, and you know come the Munster Championship he'll nail those, mm. you know, when he's that little bit more sharp, but I mean, the goal was, like, on Tom Condon as well, man, the match in Kilkenny the previous week, like, he just picked his pocket, like, and Tom Condon's around the block, yeah. but he got in behind him, and the, the hand just reached in, yeah. you know, and he also, you know, set up Lee Han for the one that Lee Han hit the post with, a brilliant take and turn, he spun in a sixpence, and, yeah, he looks to be in serious shape, and I think Cork will have the best six forwards in the country come the summer, it's, it's the other end of the field might be the worry. Okay, so psychologically, good victory for Cork and Limerick. Tell me about the psychology and the importance of Kilkenny pipping tip in Thurles yesterday. Well, I suppose, you know, the one thing you're saying when you're writing the piece for Saturday was, they'll come out and perform again, Kilkenny. Limerick will have to beat them, but they will come out. Like every Cody team, they'll come out and give everything. And I believe Walter Walsh was their best man on the field. I mean, we saw the highlights last night now, obviously it was in Limerick. But they're incredible, and it looked like, you know, we were going back and over with the commentaries, and uh, uh, it was Brian, Brian Carroll was the co-commentator down there, and Carroll said, ah, oh, tip like, he said, unbelievable, they've turned this back, and Bubbles looks to be back on form, and yet out the gate go Cody with the two points, <laughs> and Owen Murphy with two massive frees to win it. Yeah. So, ah, sure, look at, I'd say, a Roy smile on his uh, post last night as well, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Liam won't be overly worried. Uh, he knows how close he could be to being on six points now, yet he's on two. That and that, yeah, I was just going to say that. The thing with Tip at the moment is, like, should have probably beaten Wexford. They now look at themselves and they're kind of going like, how oh, are we only on two points? Yeah. Might just work out as well, that Tony, because you remember all the hassle last year with the Tip Championship going ahead and they were straight down top of Championship. I think maybe Liam wouldn't mind. There's no relegation. There's no worries on that front. And maybe they'll have that little gap to play their couple of rounds of the Championship and he gets them a bit earlier for the Munster Championship for preparation. Before we have a quick word on Clare and Wexford, possibly the most eye-catching result of the weekend was Dublin putting 126 on the board against Waterford. No, you can say what you want about that, but, I mean, in terms of that, what that does for Dublin and the management and the players. Especially, they were very flat in Salt Hill uh, last week, and I know they'd have been very disappointed from the Crokes lads. While they wouldn't be training with us, they'd show their face, the likes of Oshin O'Rourke and Fergal Whiteley and those, and they were very disappointed coming from Galway. Uh, and then, but the big thing was Parnell, and like, there's no mention of playing double headers in Crow Park anymore because you know you have Wexford and you have Galway and you have them in front of ten thousand in Parnell. Mm. And like, let's face it, if they can win that Wexford game, they have a massive chance of being in the tree in Leinster. And I think Matty would have set out his stall 
much the same as I did in my day to make Parnell into now it's a smallish field small tidy compact stadium hard place to come out of with a win as we saw Kenny very lucky to come out of there last year with a win so um, they have Wexford going in there okay you fancy Galway still a little bit ahead of them but mm. with Wexford going in there if they can pull the win out of that there's a massive chance they'll be in the tree, Tony. And, mm-hmm. and I think Matty, against a Waterford team that were, by the way, flying, but they'd only played the three weaker teams. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a bit of food for thought for Parik Fennan as well now. He's mm-hmm. to face into Galway this week. So, who knows? Uh, Dublin could finish top of that table. Like, it won't be. And that'll be a great start for Matty Kenny. Like, mm-hmm. So, I think a great result for them, yeah. Just going back to, just to 1A, I mean, Wexford pulled big win out of Parky Cueve. Um, had a fantastic win, obviously, as we mentioned, against Tipperary. Did they just run out of road in Ennis? What are you hearing from the weekend there? Well, I'm hearing that um, they were poor. Uh, they were defensively very negative again. Uh, and it's when when they went 13 points down, they tried to ch- throw off the shackles, maybe a bit of complacency from Clare. They went off and hit 1-8 without reply. That's a worry from a Clare point of view, Tony, because it's too often Clare go out of matches for longer than you'd like periods mm. and in hurling now if you go out of it for longer than you like you're going to be punished and it's not for three or four points it's probably for one six or something you know and yesterday one eight it, it brings me back to the All-Ireland semi-finals last year nine points down in both the Galway games and could have won them yeah. so you know that's a worry for, for Jerry and Donald uh, Fitzy be nearly delighted going home like it looked like they were going to be annihilated mm. uh, like a terrible beating like you could, I was saying at one stage just to be 20 points plus and yet they go out the gate beating a goal and they had a, a 21 yard free to level it like last puck of the game so they'll both take a bit out of us Clare still not certain of being in the quarter final mm. depending on other results but should be there bar a draw I think between Wexford and Kilkenny but Limerick coming to town next week, which is always, uh, they think it's a small field. It's not a small field, but the crowd are on top of you. <laughs> so it, uh, it's, it's one I'm really looking forward to, I have to say. And our thanks to Anthony Daly for his thoughts there. Now, Simple Stadium hosted the Allianz Hurling League Division 1A clash of Tipperary and Kilkenny on Sunday afternoon. Always huge hype when these two counties square off, whether it be league, championship, or even in a challenge game, John Fogarty was there for us. And John, one of these occasions when the game didn't live up to the hype and the expectation? Former journalist Tom Reardon used to enthuse when he saw the All-Ireland champions, or at least when he thought he saw the All-Ireland champions. And and he would declare to anybody who would listen to him. Um, but being in Turles yesterday... Uh, I don't think I saw the All-Ireland this year's All-Ireland champions anyway both teams with um, a lot of work to do <coughs> a lot of work in progress um, Kilkenny obviously missing their Ballyhale contingent Tipperary missing about two or three of their, their the, the team that you would expect that will start against Cork and to start the Munster Championship but um, no, a very disappointing day for Hurling, as it was for, for both sets of supporters, I would imagine. Okay, Kilkenny did come back and, and pick off the win, but they went 21 minutes of, <clears throat> of the second half without a, without a score. And I think that just showed how, you know, just how poor the fair was that a team that could go that proportion of a, of a half without scoring and go on to win the game. They, they Don't get me wrong, the, the end of the game was was very enjoyable um, was almost like the Kilkenny and Tipperary of old in that they were swapping scores to beat the band it was real putinism um, <clears throat> but um, no it was, uh, it, was a, it, it was a disappointing game for both teams um, <clears throat> a couple of um, 
star turns all the same. Conor Delaney was very good on Seamus Callanan and he might be the answer now for Kilkenny at full back. Um, Brian Cody was asked about him afterwards and certainly complimented him as much as we all know that Brian Cody isn't a man to single out guys but Conor Delaney, um, Hugh Lawler has obviously played there already this year but we we might just see Porrick Walsh being given the licence to go further out the field, not just for the league, but in the championship as well. Um, John O'Dwyer was very good at times for Tipperary. Again, John O'Dwyer is the type of guy who wouldn't be the greatest man for winning his own ball as much as in the first half. He shrugged off his marker on three occasions to, to, to fire over a ball, but there's no better sniper in the in, sniping player in the country at the moment or has been over the last few years and uh, when bubbles gets the ball like uh, like from 20 30 yards off when the the, the hard ball is won and passed off to him he rarely misses and you know th- that'll be a plus for Liam Sheedy but um so much work for both teams still to do and um n- never mind all Ireland champions I don't think we saw the league champions either uh one of them obviously you would imagine will go through to the quarterfinals at this stage but their priorities certainly aren't with the league Kilkenny's because Kilkenny's aren't because they, they obviously their Bally Hale guys are back, aren't back and they're missing the likes of Killian Bugley and Richie Hogan's only really coming into to fitness now and then Tipperary because you know as much as the, the class of 2010 and many of them are still there for Liam Sheedy He's going to need a lot of the, the, the young bloods because Tipperary at the moment are lacking that bit of pace, lacking that bit of ingenuity. Um, and it, it's, it's no wonder that Eamon O'Shea has been called in uh, in an advisory role because there, there's something missing there at the moment. Three defeats on the trot is not something that uh, Tipperary should accept as much as Liam Sheedy is saying that it was a good... It has been a good campaign for them. It's not something that uh, the the average Tipperary supporter is going to uh, accept and that they'll expect a, a big response against Cork um, on Sunday. And whether that gets them to a quarter-final or not, I don't think many people in Tipperary w- will be too concerned because the league final uh, um, appearances the last couple of years has obviously ha- hasn't helped Tipperary, but certainly they'll want something to um, to hang their coats on um, in Park in next weekend. Now, the GA Annual Congress was held in White's Hotel Wexford over the weekend. One of the most high-profile motions of the weekend was Donegal's bid to prevent Dublin playing two Super 8 games in Croke Park. After the motion was defeated, our own John Fogarty spoke to the Donegal chairman, Mick McGrath, who fears finance is taking precedence over fairness. Donegal chair, uh, Mick McGrath, your thoughts there on... That, that motion, the last of the day, and the most uh, emotive one, certainly, of the day. Well, we felt strong about it. Our, our uh, members feel very strong about it, and um, that's why we brought it here today. Um, the, the most important factor was that it did get a good airing, it got a good debate, um, and the points, there were some points made against it that muddied the water slightly. Um, there, there is a, quite a, 36% mightn't sound good, but there's quite a lot of support out there for it. I'm sure the CCC and indeed the rule makers will review the, um, the imbalance that's there at the moment. It's not our problem and it's not our difficulty that Dublin haven't built their own inter-county ground. Um, they use Croke Park and uh, they rent it out and they pay for the rentage. We, we at no stage said that we wanted Croke, uh, Dublin to, not to play in Croke Park. Uh, what we're, what, this, was, uh, this motion was all about the quarterfinals of the current championship 
and, um, and we put that across quite clearly. It's not about the Leinster Championship, the O'Byrne Cup, or the National League Games, or the All-Ireland Semi-Finals or Finals. It's about the quarter-finals, where it st- states quite clearly in rule that there's a home venue, a neutral venue, and, and an away game. And uh, those three, in particular, are not balanced with one county having two of the games in the one venue. So that was the, the motion behind it. That, that was the idea behind it. And um, we're disappointed we, we, we didn't get, get it over the line, but uh, we give it our best shot. Your fellow countryman Seamus O'Donnell was making the point, you know, just, is it finance or fairness? That's something that you would agree with, obviously. Absolutely. Um, I mean, uh, we, we can all throw darts at certain angles of, of finances. We all need fin- finance. As the song says, uh, money makes the, the world go round. And money also makes the association go round. But we must not let money uh, influence uh, competition and competition in this occasion is being influenced by money and uh, quite a lot of the counties that I spoke to over the last few days have said that they wouldn't be supporting it because it was a, a, a huge dint in, in the finances of the association so therefore that, that was the feeling that was there and I have to accept that feeling Just, just in terms of uh, fairness um, the venues, it has piqued the interest of counties, you know this debate has got started and you know sometimes you have to come at these things two or three times Yes, that, that's true, John. We, we'll go back and we'll report back to our clubs um, at county committee level and um, we'll see whether we want to revisit it or not. We'll see if other counties want to revisit it. But at the moment, all counties that are in the Super 8s have a neutral venue uh, to play in. The neutral venue is Croke Park. All counties get the opportunity to play in Croke Park. We're not preventing anybody playing in Croke Park. But we, we have the difficulty is that any county can cl- claim it as a neutral venue and also then de- claim it as, as a home venue. I mean, we, we certainly uh, aren't getting the opportunity of playing two games of our three games in McCool Park. And that was outlined as well today. Nor is any other county getting the opportunity to play two, two games in the one venue. So there's an imbalance there. That's all we're looking for. We're, we're not anti any county. Uh, we're, we're not against anybody playing in Croke Park. We're against some, uh, a county or any county getting two games in the one venue. A very final question. Is there an alternative here, Mick, in the sense that... We might see neutral venues. Why does it have to be Crow Park for one round of games? Could you see that? Well, 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 I think that if the motion was carried and we were asked if two counties agreed to play the game in Croke Park, we would have probably agreed to that. Uh, we would have no difficulty where two teams are in agreement. But where they haven't got the opportunity, uh, then, then there's an, <coughs> an uneven playing field. And uh, it's, it's, it's difficult enough um, to, to uh, win inter-county matches. But when you're look, playing against a, a team uh, that ha- has an advantage that, that, that you can't do anything about, um, it's not. It's, that's occurring before you on the field at all. The other point, sorry, Mick, just in the final question. Right. The other point that Seamus did make was Tony Gall were actually the team that beat Dublin last in the championship, and it happened to take place in, in Crow Park. You know, it's not a case of Dublin being uh, Tony Gall. Oh, no, wait, the Tony Gall public have the greatest respect for Dublin and and uh, what they've done over the last four or five years, and indeed six years since 2011 when they came back in the scene. A fantastic bo- county team. That have fine-tuned and are deserved All-Ireland champions. We have no difficulty in that. We try our best to beat them. We beat them in 2014, and um, we're the last team, to, to, last county to have done that. But uh, this imbalance that's there uh, needs to be addressed. Um, we, we put it to, to Congress today. Uh, 64% of those voting decided to, to uh, go with, go with it, not allow the motion to get to get changed. Um, for, for different reasons. I don't think it was all for the one reason. There's different reasons, and uh, um, so we, we'll, we'll have to address that. And that's it from this week's podcast. Our thanks again to our sponsors, Allianz, and indeed to all our guests for joining us on the programme. Thanks also to Larry Ryan, who edits and produces this podcast each week. 
to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Just search for Examiner Sport. And while you're there, don't forget to leave a rating and a review. We always welcome your feedback. You can also listen on SoundCloud and Stitcher and on YouTube or find us on Twitter, Facebook or at irishexaminer.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for your company. Look forward to talking again next week. Alliance. Supporting all 32 counties through the Alliance Leagues. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.